together growing in faith-changing communities. Dear friends, today I would like us to look at the, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, from verse 15. There are some fundamental truths that I think the Lord gives to us. If you go back to the beginning of John chapter 14, verse 1, the Lord says, Let your hearts not be troubled. Do not be afraid. Have faith in God and have faith in me. That is the basics of everything. Jesus says to us, there is absolutely no need for us to be afraid. There is absolutely no need for us to panic. There is also absolutely no need for us to lose heart. I love the understanding or the principle that Jesus brings in our lives. As I have said it before and I continue to say it today, he knows who we are, he knows what goes on in our lives and he wants to say to us, I've got this under control. He's saying to us, there is absolutely no need to lose heart. There's absolutely no need for you to lose yourself. Because there comes moments in our lives when things become too much. There comes moments and experiences in our lives where things become unbearable. And Jesus gives us a sense of assurance. He gives us a sense of his presence. And today, he takes a little step further. He says to us, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. There are two things I want to unpack in that statement. The first one is this condition, if you love me. What is it that the Lord is inviting us? He is not introducing himself as a master and we are his servants. He has already told us that you no, I no longer call you slaves or servants, but I call you my friends because I have revealed to you everything that the Father has given to me. And so I want to argue and to say you and I are called into a relationship of great love. And that is a fundamental distinction in which the Lord calls us as his beloved sons and beloved daughters. You are the beloved son. You are the beloved daughter of God. And Jesus says to us, what I have shared with my father from eternity, I now want to share with you, not just for the now, but forever. He says, just as the father has loved me, so I love you. What greater love does anyone has than to lay down one's life for his friends. You and I are called into a relationship of love. 
Jesus loves us into existence. Jesus wills us into existence. Jesus maintains us with his love. You and I are made out of love, made to love, made by love. You must never forget those realities. And I do agree, dear brothers and sisters, that there are moments in our lives where we feel unworthy of being loved. Where we feel that we need to do something in order to earn someone else's love. There are moments in our own lives where we feel that I'm not good enough to be loved. Why would you love me? What is it that you see in me that is worth of your love? How can you love someone who cannot even love himself? I agree that we go through those experiences. And sometimes some of us, we find it even difficult to get out of bed. We find it is difficult to engage someone else. We find it it's difficult to love someone because we say, what is the use of loving you because you're going to leave me in any case? What is the use of loving you because you're going to hurt me? You're going to harm me? You're going to walk out of us? Why bother loving? And I think Jesus, in the most beautiful way, he gives us the purest form of love. And I'm reminded beautifully by the beautiful encyclical written uh, Deus Caritas Est. God is love. Listen to that beautiful encyclical written by Pope Benedict. And many people argue that obviously it is at, at, at the transition when John Paul dies and Benedict takes over. And many people argue that you could find the thinkings of John Paul and the love and the thinkings of these great two popes that the church has ever given us. How many of us truly believe that God is in love with you? God is more than just loving you, but he's in love with you. And Pope Benedict in the Deus Caritas Est, he talks about these four categories of love from the Greek understanding. The philia, the storage, the agape, the eros. And he says in God, all these are there. To realize that God can have this brotherly, sisterly love. That he looks at you as a sibling. And he says, I love you as I love my own brother. As I love my own sister. And you go to the book of the Hebrews. Jesus was like all of us except sin. And so when Jesus looks at you. When he looks at me. When he looks at us. He loves. He loves what he sees. Yes, he knows my weaknesses. He knows my failures. He knows my sins. He knows everything. And yet, he still loves. That's the most beautiful reality. That God loves us 
despite what we've been through. That God loves us even though he knows what we have done, what we are doing, and what we will continue to do. And so as you go back and you understand this great love of God, you, you come to realize that God has this erotic love for us. Go and read the songs of songs, the songs of Solomon. And you soon realize this beautiful love relationship that God has for his people. Go and read the book of prophet Hosea. How God talks of Israel as his beloved. And he says, you've walked away from me. You've turned your backs on me. And yet I've pursued you. And I will continue to pursue you. Imagine a God who pursues you. Imagine a God who looks at you today, this morning. He knows what you've been through. He knows what happened yesterday. He knows what happened last night. He knows what you're going through today. And he says, you are my beloved. I am your lover. You are my beloved. And that's what Jesus says initially in this gospel. If you love me, I want you to be in love with me. Then he asks us something. He says, if you love me, then you have to keep my commandments. My dear brothers and sisters, you go to Deuteronomy chapter 5 and Exodus chapter 20. That's where we find the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. But go back to Jesus. They ask him, Lord, which is the greatest commandment? And he only sums it up. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, your soul, and your being. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so for Jesus, when he says, keep my commandments, what does he say? Love. And so I'm convinced, at least partly in my heart, that the only question that God will ever ask us when we meet him in heaven, he will say, did you love? Did I love? Do I have a heart that is capable of loving? Do I have a heart that is capable of trusting? Do I have a heart that is capable of accepting? Do I have a heart that is capable of welcoming back a sinner? Am I able to love that which God has created? Am I able to love myself? Am I able to love my brothers and my sisters, those I live with in my house? Am I able to love my neighbors? Am I able to love those who hate me? And that's what God is only asking of us. Love me and love those around you. But don't forget to love yourself. The other point that I also find absolutely interesting Jesus says in the gospel, I am going away, but I will not leave you orphans. I will not abandon you. I will always be with you. I'm going to ask my father, your father, my God, 
and your God to send you another advocate. And there's so much loaded in that phrase. The first one, I'm going away. I have to go. Allow me to go back to the Father. And in the Gospel of John chapter 14, Jesus tells us why he has to go away. He says, so that I can prepare a place for you, so that where I am, you too may be with me. So allow me as Jesus to go. And on Thursday, we are celebrating the ascension of the Lord, where Jesus goes back to the Father. But Jesus says something absolutely interesting. He says, I will not leave you abandoned. I will not leave you on your own. I will journey with you. I will walk with you. I want you to know that I'm always here for you. And that's in his important phrase. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14, he called his 12 in order that they may be with him. And so Jesus says, you will always be with me. Go to the end of the gospel of Matthew. I will be with you till the end of time. And so Jesus has promised us that he will always be with us. How many of us feel abandoned by God? Go back to Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus says to us, even though on the cross, he could cry out and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is giving us a redirection into our own lives that God never really abandons his own. That sometimes we may be going through hell. You may be going through difficulties. And probably you're hating God. And you're asking yourself, why bother? Why pray? Why listen to God? He was never there for me when my mother died. He was never there for me when my dad died. He was never there for me when I was retrenched. He was never there for me when I was raped. He was never there for me when I was molested. So why now? And Jesus says, I never left you. Even in those moments, I was always there. Even when you felt all alone, I was always there. Even when you felt the suffering, I was there with you. And Jesus says to us, I will ask the Father. He will give you the advocate, the spirit of truth. And may God continue to lead us to that acknowledgement of knowing that I am the beloved of God.